Welcome to Drawn Out, a podcast about Disney animated films. I'm Brooke. I'm uh, your other host, Chase. We're doing... Make mine music. Yes. I almost said the wrong one. <laughs> we're doing we're doing a double feature today. Yes. Um, we started with Make Mine Music, which is from 1946, and it's kind of... I hadn't seen it before. Had you seen it before? No, I had not seen it before. It's kind of like a pop fantasia. It is. Um, if you want to watch it, it is in the vault, um, so it might be a little difficult to get your hands on. We had to go we, through eBay. Uh, no, Amazon. And we, we had used. to we had we had to wait a little while. Yeah. Um, our last record date record date was like two weeks ago or something. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone this long without seeing you. Like I since know, we started this I podcast. Know, I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so we did watch it. We got our hands on a DVD copy of it. Um, it's uh, an adventure. I think I think Pop Fantasia is a good description mm-hmm. of it. Um, so we are deep in the heart of the wartime era. Yeah, and they got... Um, go ahead. Oh, they got some big names on this, too. Yes, yes. Um, and we'll get those as we get to them. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely and... showing off the government money. Yeah, well, and they have these... Um, it's basically... a collection of 10 sort of song whatever like styles and animation things that go with them technically it's 11 technically it's 11 um, one is censored one is censored so we went back and watched it in italian later <laughs> <laughs> um do we want to talk about that one first because it because that's that's the one that came first the in first. the original lineup yeah which is good because i thought blue bio was an odd opening when i like, yeah. put it all like this is a weird way to start this movie yeah but it really um, started with the martins and the coys which is you know they can't say it's the Hatfields and the McCoys, and so... But it is. It, it is. Do you remember the name of that uh, TV show that was on, I think it was like HBO for a while, that was all about? It was something like, something basic, like Hatfield and McCoy. Was it? Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I was think, like, trying to remember what it was I called while we were watching. I didn't watch um, it. But I didn't either. But it was supposedly very good. Yeah. So if you haven't heard of it, it's these two families in the, the Appalachians, I think, that had a pretty serious blood feud mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And so we have one family with dark hair and another family with red hair shooting at each other. Most of them are dead mm-hmm. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then... A dark-haired boy, one of the dark-haired boys, um, meets a red-headed girl, and they fall in love. And then they get married, and they're dancing. And then they're happy, but then they get home, and then they're fighting all the time, and their families are laughing at them from the clouds. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of funny, like, oh, these two families don't get along, and Mm -hmm. then their kids get married. And they still don't get along. Ha yeah. ha ha. Um, Except, you know, most of them are dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it definitely highlights one of the key themes of, like, this whole film, which is very much that comedy comes from the unexpected. Yeah. Um, which is something that we're going to see over and over again in each of these shows. Yeah, because you didn't expect them to start fighting. Like, right. all through their, like, their happy little courtship and stuff. And and then all of a sudden they come home and it's like, okay, she's... Well, she's she's beating him up pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, she kicks him out of the house, and he like tries to run back in right yeah. into her fist. Um, um, and so we saw a teeny tiny little bit of it in English after, but we watched most of it in Italian because it's not centered in Europe. It just, um, I think, just the U.S. and the U.K. versions. Yeah. Um. So we're pretty sure it was gun violence, not mm-hmm. any race issue. No. Not this one. Um. And then, so in the version that we saw, the first the first one was called Blue Bayou. It was a tone poem, and we think it's where that mm-hmm. 
you know, that over fancy restaurant in um, New Orleans Square gets its name. Yeah, and it's just, it's a very lovely piece. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a tone poem, so it's like, you know, doesn't have, not narrative, and so you just have a pretty blue bayou in the mm-hmm. night, you've got great ripple and shimmer effects in the water, and mm-hmm. you have some, and you have a crane just kind of hanging out and frolicking. It's very pretty, it's very soothing. I feel like it would make a good lullaby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did notice, to the animation, they did one of those rain halos um, yeah. on the bird, which was absolutely gorgeous. Um And, like, the whole watercolor effect. Like, it was a very, very beautiful piece. No narrative, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. Eventually, there were two birds. Yep. That's the narrative. That's it. Yep. (laughs) Um, And then, next one, we get a tiny bit more narrative and a lot more upbeat. All the cats mm -hmm. join in. It's Betty Goodman and his orchestra, um, which is, you know, one of the great big bands. And, like, um, I think I've said before, I'm not a huge fan of jazz clarinet. He is the exception because he's the one who does it best. (laughs) (laughs) And so you got, you know, teenagers going to the soda fountain and give it, and, you know, and dance into all those crazy teen music and dance trends. And they do some really cool stuff with the way that they draw, like draw yeah, things in. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, um, it feels a little bit like Rhapsody in Blue when, once we get to Fantasia 2000. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely feel that um, similarity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of cool to see, like, the animator interacting with the animation. That yeah. was a fun trope. And part of it is there's, like, a, you know, there's a jukebox, and there's a, the, the kid at the soda fountain, and he calls, like, his girlfriend who's babysitting her little sister or mm-hmm. something like that, and they watch her get ready. We, we watched her get ready and watch her little sister try and get ready, too. It was, a, it was a very, up. as someone who has little sisters, it was a very cute scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also, um, I thought was interesting about this short was we see a new level of comfort in animating people that we haven't yeah. seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw it, too, with the um, Martins and Coys. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a cavalierness, almost, to yeah. the way that the characters move and mm-hmm. interact. Um, and it was really fun to see um, that kind of, like, how it's developed and changed over yeah. time. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, I don't think I wrote anything else. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Yeah, my, my notes are kind of sparse on this one, but that's okay, because there are some good things, and, you know, since it is a double feature, I feel like, um, I've seen Fun and Fancy Free before, I feel like we're gonna have a lot more to say about that one, so oh, okay. I think we're good. So our th- well, there are also lots of ten of these shorts, yeah. <laughs> so... So, the third one is called Without You, it's kind of like a sad ballad, um, and it's, it is, it's a little bit more abstract, you get, like, the scene of... I got kind of a Mary Blair sense to, mm. to the way the art was. Mm-hmm. So you have a window, and there's this really great effect of, like, the rain coming down the window. Yeah, it was and absolutely gorgeous. And there's a letter on the table, and it starts with Sweetheart, but you get the sense that it's, like, a Dear John letter sort mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, liked the, like, transition between scenes. Yeah, and, and you yeah. get, like, transitions between these imag- images of, like, rain dripping down the window to, like, a droopy-looking tree to a solitary star, to a snowy, empty field that sparkles just like snow does and when it's on its own. There are not very many great things about snow, but, like, <laughs> that sparkle to it is one of the great things. And then you end up back in the window. And yeah. it's, a, it's a very pretty song, too, um, sung by Andy Russell, who I had not heard of, but it's well sung. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, it was beautiful. It was nice to see them sort of play with 
like animation style and mm-hmm. like like um we talked a little bit about this with like Fantasia and Bambi and how they're starting to get more creative with mm-hmm. animation as a concept. Yeah. Um I feel like this piece just highlighted more of that. It was really pretty and they weren't like I don't know they were they were having fun with what they could do with animating. It was really mm-hmm. cool. I really enjoyed the yeah. art in this one. And the next one we finally get something that's a you know like the most narrative that mm-hmm. we got, you know, without the Martin McCoy's because we hadn't watched it yet at that point. Casey at the Bat. Which you may have seen. I'm pretty sure this one was in House of Mouse, which is probably why I was familiar with it. Probably. I know, or I mean, I know it's based on a poem, so I know, ooh, I got that moth right out the air. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sushi, that's your job. <laughs> My cat's just sitting next to us, just like. She's watching. Sushi's our guest this week. Sushi, <laughs> our very first guest on the show. Sushi, what did you think of Make My Music? She has no opinion. She has no opinion. She thinks it was a fine film, um, <laughs> but she's not sure she'd watch it again or let her children watch it, but she didn't feel like she wasted mm-hmm. her time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> she's adorable, you she's guys. She's gorgeous. Um, uh, so Casey at the Bat was a lot of fun. Um, it's, it is, it's, I think it's based on a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was crazy to me because this is in 1946 and that's at least... 10 years before the Dodgers came to Los Angeles and the game of baseball was invented, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a baseball person, which is why I found the line about ladies not understanding baseball so funny. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's I'm, there to understand? You hit a ball yeah, and you run like, in circles. I'm not, I'm not huge on very many sports, but I really enjoy my local teams that mm. I have picked. If I have an opportunity to go to game, it's great. Like, you know, I don't, watching baseball on TV is so boring. It is. But when the Dodgers were in the World Series, I watched it on TV <laughs> because it was my team. And like I can enjoy I can enjoy a lot of sports like watching them if I get into it, but it's not like compulsive thing. Like if they're if I can catch something that's great or if they're doing well in the postseason and it's easier to watch on TV, I'll do that. Like when I was in Idaho and when I would get homesick in the um in the winter spring semester, I would go to the gym because I knew that ESPN would be on, and I could watch the Lakers play while I was on the treadmill. That's fun. Mm -hmm. So, my teams are the Lakers, the Dodgers, and the Rams. (laughs) I was just going to ask if you were, by default, a Rams fan, then. I used to live right by the Coliseum, so, like, I don't see Mm -hmm. how I couldn't. (laughs) That's fair, that's fair. Um, Fun fact, my dad got asked to play for the LA Rams back in the day. Really? He still has the letter. Oh my god! Or he was like invited to tryouts at least or something. That's so cool. Yeah. Your dad is one of the most interesting people. Like he's lived <laughs> such an interesting life. He really has. Um, yeah, he has. Uh, he didn't actually go. He got a knee injury, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But if he hadn't got that knee injury, he would never met my mom. And then I wouldn't be here talking to you about Disney movies. Which would be a shame. <laughs> it would be a um, true loss. This is art we're doing here. Um, and so, anyway, Casey. so yeah, Casey hit the bat. It's, you get some really great imagery. Like, something I noticed in a lot of the costuming for these um, and the way that in the technology, like, the, the time level they're setting us at, even though it's taking place in 1946, most of it is has more, like, a style design that's more like the... Turn of the century. Yeah, turn of the century. 1890s like, into 1910s. Yeah, like, you, you know, you can see it's like, okay, Walt is, this 
like this is Walton, his um, American ideal that led us to Main Street, USA. Yes, very much so. You know, the ladies with their big hats and their mm-hmm. hair up and their... What do you call those things in the back of the skirts? You'd think I would know um, this as a costume person. It's a bustle, right? Yes. Yes, it is a bustle. So and it's very obviously a good 50 years away mm-hmm. from when it was put out. You didn't recognize him because I'm, I'm not going to be mad at you for the ones you haven't seen because you haven't been mad at me for the ones I haven't yeah, seen. thank you. But um, <laughs> the narrator for Casey at the Bat um, will uh, we'll hear him again as the March Hare when we get to Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, well, you say that like I've never heard what the March Hare sounds okay. like. Like, I'm familiar with Alice in Wonderland. I have, like, listened to A Very Merry on Birthday. Yeah. I've seen several but, scenes So was it familiar it. to you yeah. at all? Oh, it okay. absolutely was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. You're like, oh, I know that voice. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's really familiar. And you're like, it's from Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, oh, that's why it's familiar, but not too mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah, and so you get... You get, you know, people being different kinds of baseball players, like the guy who's too big, the guy whose hair is too long. I made a joke that that's why Clayton Kershaw is the pitcher. Um, I don't know if he still has that enormous beard anymore, though, because it's because um, we're not quite in the postseason yet. So <laughs> I don't I don't know what's going on in baseball right now. <laughs> um, no, we're getting into football season. I'm not a huge football person, and, like, and, and until the Rams came back to L.A., I really did not care, like... You were for USC college? I never went to a USC football game, oh. which makes me so sad. Technically, I'm still a student, so technically I could still get the price, mm-hmm. but I have finangled myself into a schedule where I'm busy every Saturday, so I couldn't go when I was a student, and I still can't really go now. I mean, I could. I just would have to do some more arranging, and... We used to... We used to get season tickets for USC. Mm-hmm. Um, it was weird. We were a UCLA ho- household, and then my dad's work got season tickets for USC for several I years thought, in a row. I thought your dad went to USC. He did not go to oh. USC. No, my dad went to Azusa Pacific. I've only ever seen USC stuff at your house as That's far as because college because we okay. got a lot of swag um, <laughs> from those season tickets, so okay. we have a lot of USC stuff. And my dad, like... After going to a bunch of games, I was like, yeah, I support USC. Yeah. Well, and that's funny because my, my grandma, um, you know, she's she's an L.A. native, and she always preferred UCLA because that's where her brother went. Mm. Um, the brother, her brother-in-law, who she did not like at all, um, went to USC. Oh. But then once me and my brother went to USC, she was like, okay, fine. <laughs> she warmed up to it. <laughs> my um, dad's mom is a UCLA fan. He okay. has a big, giant teddy bear in a UCLA sweater. It's adorable. Aww. It's... Um, Certainly bigger than sushi. Um, That's uh, saying something. Sushi's like 15 pounds. (laughs) Sushi's a big cat. It's a huge teddy bear. Mm -hmm. I don't really see anything in here I can compare it to. Maybe my Eeyore Um, pillow pet? No, bigger than that. Oh, wow. Um, Like, it would fit on sushi's litter box. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a big bear. Wow. Um, But, yeah, so sometimes, like, on rivalry games, my grandpa would, like, call my dad up. (laughs) That's so cute. Um, Um, Yeah. So Casey at the bat, we got different kinds of players. So we got the we got the big guy, we got the guy with his hair stuck, we got the guy who's like um, like a big old fake, but somehow manages to like break the ball. And then we get Casey, and then we we get the sense that Casey's like he's not really a baseball player. He's just he's just a guy who's famous for wearing a uniform and likes using his power for the perks it gets him. But he's also supposed to be like good at baseball. Yeah, like, like he, he has a, a repu- well he has a reputation of being good at baseball. Yeah, that's true. And so he gets up there and he's just like totally chilling for strike one and strike two and it's funny because one of these fancy ladies who didn't who like doesn't understand baseball 
after strike one, she pulls out her hat pin and says, kill the umpire. <laughs> she is amazing. I love, I love her. her. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, murder people, the hat pin. Those are some goals. That's, that's yeah, mm-hmm. that was gorgeous. Now, that's one, of, that's one of the first, you know, like, like, like feminist worries, like, oh, no, women are using their hat pins to attack men. It's like, just the men who are attacking us, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Casey uh, saunters his way through two strikes. And then the last pitch, and then it's like, shows us like things that are happy. Kids are playing, the band, you know, uh, bands are performing, the sun is shining, but not in Mudville because Casey struck out. And it shows him like trying to, you know, like toss up a ball and hit it, toss up, and he's getting so upset. And I just like, I don't know exactly how to, like, verbalize it, but I just, my notes just say toxic masculinity, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's also, he's bummed. Like, he should have succeeded, and he didn't. Um, But again, you have that humor in the unexpected. So it's funny that the Mm -hmm. two guys who are not great did really well, Mm -hmm. and then the guy who's supposed to be really great didn't, and it was cute. Yeah. And silly. And I loved the, like, Casey's bat blew everyone away, and then it's like, Somewhere the sun is shining, somewhere birds are singing, and it's like, but not here. Um, mm-hmm. Felt very, very, um, song in Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes the ups outnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. Nottingham. <laughs> have you ever heard the Mumford and Sons cover of that? Oh my I gosh. I have, I, I love, love it. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, our next one is called Two Silhouettes. The, songs, the song is sung by Dinah Shore. And um, the way that it's animated is really cool because it's like they have they filmed live dancers and kind of rotoscoped them into as silhouettes yeah, into it was an really animated background. Beautiful. It was yeah, really it was beautiful. It was like not anything terribly exciting. There was no real narrative, yeah. and there was no not like and there are some really cute flourishes and stuff. Like it was really pretty to look at, but I don't know if there's a ton to dissect. You know. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, there was some parts where the animation interacted with the dancer, yeah. where, like, the Cupids used her like a teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much it, actually. There's one other moment, I don't remember what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, they lift her up. That's it. Yeah. Um, so there are some little things, um, but it was overall just very cute. The Cupids look very much like the little Cupids from Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And they even, um, like, kind of... You know, stick their butts up to form a heart at the end, mm-hmm. like in like in Fantasia. Yeah, it was cute. It was, yeah, it's, it, it's very sweet. Um, number seven is after you've gone. It's another um, instrumental thing. Um, it's not Benny Goodman and his orchestra. It's Benny Goodman and the Goodman Quartet. Wait, you skipped. Which one did I skip? You skipped Peter and the Wolf. I did skip Peter okay. and the Wolf. Why I was like, I... there's no way I did these notes out of order. It is. It is so late, you guys. Yeah. Um, so we did Peter and the Wolf. Which, which is, is something that normally, like, you could get away with putting in Fantasia because it's Prokofiev. Um, but the way that they did it, um, like, you had narrator, too. You had you had Sterling Holloway come back um, and be the narrator Sterling Holloway explained, like, you know, these are the different instruments that represent the different characters in the story. And it was animated. It was so cute. Like, you get, you have Peter, um, who's dressed all in red because he's Russian mm-hmm. um, in the 40s. Then he's got a little pop gun. Mm-hmm. He's going to go hunt the wolf with his bird friend and with his cat friend and with his duck friend. So, this is a very, very popular short. 
and I can see why. Mm-hmm. I felt like the narration really took away from the story. Yeah, like, I think it could have gotten away without, like, I, I love Sterling Holloway, but I think that one, I think it could have been okay without yeah. it. Or, like, um, I think it even could have gotten away with explaining these different instruments, explain the different characters. Like, yeah, if you're paying, if you're, like, if you're paying attention, then you'll catch on to that. Right, well, I mean, it's written for children. Yeah. Um, like, Peter and the Wolf was written as early communist propaganda in Russia for children to Mm -hmm. prepare them to be pro-communist. Yes. That's what it was written for. So I feel like you didn't need a narrator to explain the music when the music's already made for kids. Maybe that would have been to dilute the the propaganda potential in a a capitalist market. Maybe. Um, And they did other, they did things like that definitely... They had a did co- that. They had a couple of cute little gags. Um, yeah, but also, also, fun fact, Peter and the Wolf was written in 1940, did not air until 46. Mm-hmm. Um, so, views on Russia are very different before 1942 mm-hmm. and after 1945. Yes. Um, um, so, I thought that was kind of an interesting um, context for the film. Because yeah. it felt very pro-Russia, but also recognized, like, okay, we're out of World War II, and we're headed right into the Cold War. Um, so it's just an interesting mm-hmm. piece before we hit McCarthyism. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, it was cute overall. It was fun and silly. Happy ending. Mm-hmm. Peter gets the wolf. Um, and nobody died. Mm-hmm. So. Despite the, what they led you to. <laughs> yes, they did lead you to believe that the duck was killed, but yeah. he was not in the end. Mm-hmm. So, it was cute. Yeah, and uh, did, the, yeah. did that wolf terrify you? I'm glad I didn't see that as a kid, because that wolf yeah. was so scary. It was a very scary wolf. It reminded me of another animated wolf, but I remember I just remember a very, very hungry animated wolf that's, like, looking for a snack. Um, like, it's got these big, scary, flashing eyes, but some of the, some of the like, face design, it kind of, like, reminded me of Wile E. Coyote, but, like, if he was actually scary. A little bit. Um... I'm gonna like try to no. That's, I don't know. I don't know how to look up this wolf. I'm thinking yeah. of um. It's like hunting like with the kid, and there's like a kid that's got food. Maybe I'll just cut this off. Everything's coming up. Oh no! It is Sword in the Stone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it looked like. It looked like the wolf in Sword of the Stone. I'm like, there's a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Which is, if you Google, Hungry Wolf Animated Disney, Sword in the Stone is first, Make My Music is second. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, the animation felt very similar. It was a weird nostalgia trip. Yeah. Like, I know this wolf. This is not the wolf I know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a pretty spooky wolf. Um, and the hunters... Okay, I really liked how the hunters were animated as yeah. well. They were cute. Um, there was like, the fat one, the tall one, and the short one. Um, and they had some cute gags as they moved around. It was yeah. fun. Well, the one thing that, like, kind of caught me off guard is, like, oh, yeah, and the hunters and their guns are represented by the kettle drums. I've never heard, like, maybe I'm just a music teacher's kid, but I have never heard, heard timpani called kettle drums in my life. Oh, I have. Um, okay. I mean, I'm sure it happens sometimes. I just hadn't heard it. <laughs> All right. Now, now, now after after you've gone. Yes. Um, and it's instrumental. It's Benny Goodman and his quartet, and it's kind of, it is more abstract. It's like you have, like, instrument, like, semi-anthropomorphic instruments, and it's almost like they're playing, like, not like, oh, instruments playing, blah, 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 like, like kids would play in a playground. Yeah. As the music goes. Yeah. And it was bright and colorful, and it was really fun. I loved the colors in this scene. Um, that's about it. I didn't really enthrall me. Yeah. Um, I think if I was really into music, 
um, and like instruments and how mm-hmm. instruments work together yeah. to create a sound, I'd be way more into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never had a good ear for music or connection to it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, it was cute. It was sweet. I did like when the drum came in and was chasing them all very loud. Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> The next one is we got the Andrews sisters singing Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, which is extremely narrative. It is. This one's my favorite. Um, it's very hetero, but it is my favorite still. Yeah. So you have, like, at first, like, I was like, oh, yeah, those are cute names. I, I had been thinking of Blue Bonnet the flower, mm-hmm. and so I kind of thought they would just be people, blah, blah, blah. Nope, they're literally hats in the department store window, and they're in love, but then... Alice gets bought and taken away, and it's the rest of it's about Johnny trying to find her again. It felt very much like a Pixar short. Yeah, um, like I got I got kind of Paperman vibes from it. Yeah, Paperman. Um, I was thinking of the Umbrella. Yeah, 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 umbrella. yeah. But yeah, it was a very. I, I thought it was really cute. Um, and it's very it, like it feels so. It follows the Pixar structure yeah. of an animated short where you have like your protagonist and there's a struggle and he's trying really, 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 really hard and he tries and he fails and he tries and he fails and he tries and he fails and he tries and he fails, and, he tries and, he fails. and then just when all hope is lost, he gets mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that made us laugh while we were watching it was um, they mentioned that Alice was bought for $23.94. And even though this is another one where, like, the all the styles are decidedly 18, like, 1890s to 1910s, we, I looked it up in 1946 dollars, $23.94. And 1946 is the equivalent of $309.39 in 2018, so... Yeah, so... That's a pricey hat. Alice Blue Bonnet is an expensive hat, Mm -hmm. who ends up on the ears of a horse by the end of the story, which Which was really sad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I guess, like, even hats get old, I guess. Um, well, they uh, they go out of fashion. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. There's no way to know like how long it was. I mean, poor Johnny went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he was in the gutter. He belonged to a bum. He was in a bar fight. Um, he narrowly avoided being loaded up into a paddy wagon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was um, surprising to see like such a nice, expensive hat on a horse all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was, it was very cute. cute. Very cute. Um, Made me excited for Fru-Fru when we get to the oh, rest <laughs> Yes. Um, and the very last one is The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met. And this one was my favorite. Um, and every character in the thing was voiced by, um, by classically trained singer Nelson Eddy. And I think he did a terrific job. He did an amazing job. And the story is about, um, there's like a newspaper thing, like, oh, there's a whale. There's like a voice coming from the ocean. We think it's this whale. And this crazy like opera impresario is like, oh, this whale has swallowed, like has swallowed an opera singer. I need to go rescue the opera singer. But no, it's the whale. The whale is the opera singer, and he has the ability to sing tenor, baritone, or bass. <laughs> or all three at the or same time. Or all three at the same time. And um, so he's doing a lot of, like, classical stuff. We see, like, he kind of, he, he, well, he's, first off, he sing like, when we first see him in person, we're in person, like, not just kind of an echo, he's singing, like, kind of minstrel stuff, mm-hmm. which is, you know. Yeah. Of the time. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, okay, time to do my opera audition. And he goes into the classics. He does uh, Figaro. He does. And then later we kind of like, in, and the sailors are like, holy cow, this guy's the, re- this whale is the real deal. 
And the impresario's like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta rescue the singers. And he hasn't quite caught on to what's going on. And we kind of see what could happen if um, this whale's name was Willie, if he got to have the opera career that he was trying to get. We see him um, as Tristan in Tristan and Isolde. We, ha- we see him as Pagliacci. We see him as um, Mephistopheles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's singing all these great things. And it's fantastic. It sounds amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's very incredible. Yeah, and absolutely talented. Um, what I said out loud and wrote in my note, my one note for this, and um, when I said out loud, is she has the range. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorite Twitter th- threads. Is she doesn't have the range? <laughs> <laughs> I love that one so much. <laughs> my one note for this short is. More tragic than Moby Dick, sad face. <laughs> I know, because in the end, Willie is killed. Yes, um, the opera... Impresario, the, impresario is the word they use, they okay. use, the agent, probably. Yeah, the guy who discovers opera singers for his opera house, because he was also directing in the operas. Yeah, like, and um, he was running, like, the New York Metropolitan Opera. <laughs> yeah, so he harpoons Willie... And it's very sad. And they're like, don't be sad for Willie. I like, don't blame this guy too much. He did not understand the miracle that, like, people aren't used to miracles. And he didn't understand the miracle that was in front of him. And Willie has gone to whale heaven. And he's singing better and in more voices than he ever was able to before. Yeah. That's kind of a It's kind of a downer. Ending. It's like, yeah. come, come on. Let's have some justice in this life, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, this man just destroyed art. I'm sorry he didn't understand. That doesn't excuse his actions. Mm-mm. Not at all. Not at all. Fire him immediately and send him to prison, yes. I guess. Because um, mm-hmm. animals are intelligent in this world. Yep. Yeah. And that is Make My Music. That is Make My Music. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I think it was fine. I'm much more of a narrative person. So yeah, like, it was hard, hard It was hard for me to follow. Like, it might have been better if, you know, we, we both worked today and it's been kind of long. And you know, we started kind of late because we had technical difficulties. And, yeah. Um, but I think, well, altogether, it's kind of hard to get through. But I think a lot of these individually... Yeah. I think they work better as in like watching them as shorts one at a time than it would be sitting down and watching them all at once. Yeah, I think there's a great point. And there, like, there's a reason that we're not doing this podcast by watching like a bunch of Disney shorts and mm-hmm. going in that kind of chronological uh-huh. order because that would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's hard to sit through a bunch of shorts. But like, I mean, context. Disney is coming out of World War mm-hmm. II. They didn't do too hot in mm-hmm. the early 40s, and they're kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pretty much sitting through all of this until we get to Cinderella yeah. in 1950. So. And so what we're watching next is Fun and Fancy Free, for mm-hmm. our, um, which is the second in our double feature. Um, this is one that I grew up, like, this is something that my family would rent at the video store. And it's a li- it is also a collection of shorts, but it's a little more narrative. And if I remember right, there's some, like, intercut little scenes of, like, live children interacting with a live adult, like, in between the stories. Interesting. Um, I, I remember really enjoying it. Well, and I know for sure, like, I'm really pumped because it has um, Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Yeah, at it's... At least. Yeah. We're, so we're going to go watch... Um, Fun, Fun and fancy free. free. It and we- is for rent on Amazon. This one is not in the vault if you mm-hmm. wanted to watch it yourself. Yes. Um, yeah. And so we will see you on the other side of the music. Yay!
back. We just finished Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah. Um, do you want to do some of the background on this? Yeah. Film? Um, it's another compilation one, but it doesn't. It's not nearly as many segments. It's only two, really. Um, and it's just kind of cobbled together like other projects that that Walt had meant to be features before the war, and then they just couldn't do it after that. And it also includes a song that was cut from Pinocchio, sung by Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> who's kind of our host. Yeah, um, it was nice to have that frame as Jiminy like told us the stories. And it, this is our first. Is this the first one we've uh, well that ha- that mixes um, live action and animation? Well, no, no never this mind. This is absolutely three, not our first one. Three Caballeros, they did it too. Uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, and melody and make my music, but like that that was slightly different. Yeah. But it, it was it was interesting. Um, do you want to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things like that struck me at the very beginning was like the quality of animation and I remember like oh yeah we've talked about this before where like it they've you know made them look nicer over the years but it was interesting like um I saw we just finished the last one make my music Mm -hmm. and we watched on dvd and then this one we rented on amazon Mm -hmm. and I like even just that I was like oh there's a huge difference here (laughs) um it was just really interesting made me realize like uh, the format we're watching the film whether it's blu-ray dvd or vhs or rental is going to affect the mm-hmm. picture. It was just yeah. a really interesting... That has nothing to do with the film itself, yeah. actually, now that... But just an interesting going to be... It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, Jiminy Cricket uh, takes us on story with his opening song, mm-hmm. which is called... I don't know, actually, what the name of it is. Um, um, <laughs> all I have written down about it but is it's, that it's... I guess it's be called Fun and Fancy Free. That would be what uh, the song is called. I think so. Oh, I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow. Okay. But it's all about being fun and fancy-free. And it's a lot of positive thinking bullcrap. Yeah. I mean, it really is. There's a part where he, like, turns over the newspaper and it's like, wow, everything's awful. We should just be... Like, sometimes you don't want to think about it. And, like, yeah, sometimes. But, but also... You should do things about it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's, like, coming out of... Was, was this 1946, 47? 47, yeah. 47. So we're coming straight out of World War II. So mm-hmm. it's like, obviously, this is a huge... Yeah, it's a hard time in the world. I think, like, there's some truth to, like, he's like, the world's been ending since 1903 BC. <laughs> um, like, yeah, it's absolutely true that, you know, the world's kind of go. Like, we're always in some sort of tragedy. But I think... There's some negative sides to ignoring the news and being fun yep. and fancy free. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a balance. <laughs> yeah. And so he ends up in a house. Yes. Because um, Jiminy Cricket is a vagabond who mm-hmm. just travels and... Hangs out in, wherever. <laughs> wherever the wind blows. Um, makes him a fitting character for this kind of song. Mm-hmm. Oh, his color scheme is different. Yeah, it is. He's more brown instead of green. <laughs> um, more cricket than grasshopper, I yeah. guess. Um, but also it certainly makes him more enjoyable, relatable. Yeah. Like, if he was... if I've seen some art of him where he's, like, very green, and I'm like, ah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. This is weird. But it's, being... not, but it's not the most uncomfortable art of him that we've seen this week. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he certainly is better brown. Like, he's more human-looking when he's brown. Yeah. I like they did more of that glass distortion with Cleo, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the detail on the carpet fibers, because, like, he's yeah. really tiny. That was kind of cool to see. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and so he kind of ends up in a dark room, and he, like, runs into something, and there's, like, an, oh, 
ooh, and there's like, rah. <laughs> like, oh no, what is happening? And that was the first one of the moments where I was like, oh, I remember this from my childhood. I had a lot of those moments watching this because um, it was one of the ones that we rented a lot when I was growing up. Go down to the Blockbuster and <laughs> rent the film. Super duper video. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't have Blockbuster money. <laughs> I still have my Blockbuster card somewhere. <laughs> Amazing. And so, but then he turns on the light. Turns out he's knocked over a doll and there's like a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And they are sad. Yeah, they're very, very, very sad. So Jiminy Cricket decides mm-hmm. to cheer them up. So let's play you some music. And then he pulls out a record. Um, it's like, oh, Bongo, a story sung by Dinah Shore. Um, he puts it on the record. The record's like kind of rolling over him and then spinning into place was another one of those, like, I remember this moments. Mm. And then we go into the story of Bongo. Yeah, who's a circus bear. Yep, and it's based on a story by uh, Sinclair Lewis, but, of course, it's very, very different from the Sinclair Lewis version. <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> um, in this story, Bongo's a circus bear who's really, really amazing in the circus, but... He's treated poorly. Like a circus animal or something. Yeah, weird. Like the way circus animals are treated. Um, But he wants to be free and go in the wild. And he finally does. Oh, um, I really loved the um, kind of the effect of the gag of setting up and tearing down the circus from the train. Oh, that was really cute. It was like he'd perform and then like everything just kind of get almost gets sucked into one train car. Then the train moves on. And then when they get to the next place, it all just kind of comes shooting back out one train car. (laughs) Yeah, it was um, very fitting for the idea of like a traveling show, tear down and set up. Like that is how it feels. (laughs) Um... Yeah, um, I liked the, like, when they're traveling, the call of the wild, um, mm-hmm. and this is, like, kind of the first moment I noticed something that I saw kind of over and over again, which is the extension of scenes in a way we hadn't had before. Mm-hmm. It's like, in the, a lot of the shorts we've watched, the gags are very, very quick, and it's yeah. like a one-two punch, um, but, like, things were longer. We lingered on emotions more like the gags took more time mm-hmm. um which is interesting i wonder if it's more like these were meant to be features and we kind of extended them a little bit they're basically shorts that have been extended into half yeah features um so i wonder if like it's a combination of we have like we are more confident in what we can do mm-hmm. um but also like eh, we're stretching we're stretching a little bit yeah um probably a little bit of both yeah i, I think i think it's definitely a combination and i don't think it like detracted um, from the story, like, it was never, I'm like, okay, this is going on long, which, obviously, like, you sit in a movie and you're like, oh, this scene feels weird. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it's going on too long. But, um, these ones, I just noticed that they were different from what we have experienced in the past, yes. which was kind of interesting to see. And then he, there's a, um, I liked the gag of, like, he's shaking the bars and the lock comes loose and he swings out and then he shuts the door he's like, oh no. And then he's like, wait, I can get out. Yeah. <laughs> So he hops off the train into the Rockies on his, his unicycle. On his unicycle, with <laughs> still wearing his circus coat and hat. Yeah. Um, and of course, he's a circus bear, so he doesn't do well in the wild. Yeah. Like, the lot, there's literally lines where like, he doesn't know how to be a bear. Yeah. Yeah. So he can't catch fish. He can't climb trees. Mm-hmm. He can't even really sleep at night. Because mm-hmm. of the, the too loud, because of bugs and wolves and nature. Yep. <laughs> Which... I don't know. I used to live next to a fire station, mm. so I don't know. You do get used to 
you can get used to any noise if it means that you can sleep. <laughs> it's true. And he's like, he used to sleep on a train. So which it's is... like, it's not that much, it's not, it's not any louder. No, but it's certainly different noises. Yes. And you can have to readjust. But yeah, so he <laughs> has a hard time being a bear. There was a brief moment where I'm like, oh, it's just going to be like a happy story with the bear. And he finds nature and he's happy. And I was like, oh, okay, no, they're going with the like, he doesn't know how to be a bear. This is Yeah. <laughs> and he makes friends with cute little squirrels and rabbits and birds. and Yeah. Stuff. And they're a little more real. Like, Bongo is very cartoony, but mm-hmm. the other animals are a little more realistic. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't think... The bears he meets are still pretty cartoony. Um, mm-hmm. But there's certainly more realism in, like, the squirrels and the chipmunks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're two little chipmunks who looked very Chippendale, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cute. And I loved the backgrounds. They were very yes. pretty and very realistic. Yeah, the nature backgrounds were really pretty. Um, and there was something, too, I was like, oh, this feels very 1947, like, escaping your busy work life and getting out of the city and into, like, nature mm-hmm. and, like, spend some time away from people. Yeah, there are some parts of it, well, I guess we can get get to this a little bit later, but there are some, like, of the scenes that kind of reminded me of Yellowstone. Mm, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's intentional. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and there, and so he's trying, he wakes up and he's trying to fish, and I, the water effects on this were really great, too. Yeah, like, that was really good. Like, you see Bongo standing on land, and then there's, like, a line with water, and you can see the fish in, in the water, and, mm-hmm. and then there are waterfalls, and all kinds of things. Yeah. And when they're fantastic. underwater, there's, like, the wavering um, on the image, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And eventually, you know, he's trying to fish. He can't do it. And <gasps> it's a girl bear. It's a girl bear. And apparently, yeah. And You can tell because they have intentionally character designed her to look like a girl bear. She has a flower in her hair. She is lighter colored. She is curvier. Mm-hmm. And she has eyelashes. I was like, mm, I remember when we talked about how nice it was when you couldn't tell the male and female animals apart. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> yep. yep. And then Bongo decides that, uh, I need to do, I need to say this a different way than I wrote it in my notes. Oh. That, uh, he decides that love is more important than food. <laughs> he does. He does decide that. That was actually, like, my main thought through the whole, they spend a another long sequence. This one I felt like went on too long. The love mm-hmm. sequence went on too long. Yeah. In my opinion. And um, there's a little song called Too Good to Be True. And- yeah. Yeah, and it's just like a bunch of animation. Um, if you've seen Lion King 2, it's very similar to the Upandi. I was reminded a lot of ways mm-hmm. of that scene. Um, but it's like a bunch of clouds and bear cupids and the whole time I was like, you were starving five minutes ago and now you're not, and this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, but a lot of those sequences were another ones that like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> mm, yeah, I bet. And it's very um, surreal and constantly on clouds, and, and so it's very focused on Bongo's feelings, and I guess the girl bear likes him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's starving bear in a weird costume, but... <laughs> Because he's can't a boy, and that's himself. what matters. <laughs> um, and we learn later on that her name is Lulu Bell. Lulu Bell, yeah. Lulu Bell and Bongo. <laughs> so they're happy together for a while, and then all the other bears come out. And they're like, oh, how cute. And then big old lump jaw comes out, and he's like, mm, this is my girl now. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even, like... 
it doesn't start with him at all being like, no, I want to date Lulu. It's like, no, I don't like Bongo and I don't like this bear. And like you, I guess you infer it's a jealousy thing, Mm -hmm. but like he doesn't show interest in Lulu until Lulu hits him. Yeah. So she, she, she slaps Bongo uh, and Bongo's like, what the heck? And so she tries to hit him again, and uh, she kind of spins out of control and hits Lumpjaw instead. And he's like, oh, ta-da! You know, stars in his eyes. And then um, Bongo's, so he's like, okay, this she's mine now. And all the, the other bears are kind of coming around to sort of celebrate, and Bongo's sad and unicycles away. Because Bongo doesn't understand that when a bear slaps another bear, it means that they're in love. <laughs> Which is weird, because that's how Lumpjaw introduced himself to Bongo. So... You're right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. This whole thing was, like, not cool for me. Yeah. And so, and then there's another long song sequence about, um, a bear likes to say it with a, you know, let the others hug and kiss, but the bear facts of this that a bear likes to say it with a slap, and so you see just the other bears, like, kind of square dancing and, like, hitting each other. And yeah. Sometimes it's, like, you know, like, pat the cheek, and other ones, you know, it's, like, a full-on, you know, kiss with a fist. Yeah, well, and you can even see, like, there's certainly a level of discomfort with having the guy bears hit the girl bears hard. And I'm like, you, like, you can tell, like, obviously, yeah. like, you can, there's obviously, like, a discomfort here, so maybe you shouldn't have run with this part of the story. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and Bongo um, takes it's- a solid five minutes to figure <laughs> out what's going on. Um, bless his dumb little circus heart. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back and he's like, okay, I'm going to hit Lulu now. <laughs> yeah, so he figures out, he's like, oh, and so he gives Lulu a little uh, tap on the cheek and she's all excited. Yay, and then but then Lumpjaw gets mad yeah. and they get into a big fight and I feel like the action sequence here was too long too. Yeah, it did go on for a while. But eventually and... it ends with them going over a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Lumpjaw and the log that they were kind of dancing on is taken away. But Bongo is wearing his, you know, his like little elastic strap-on circus hat and so he's on a He's on a, like, caught on the lot. And that's what really reminded me of Yellowstone. It kind of looked like the, the waterfall uh, they went over looked like Yellowstone Falls. Uh, yeah, so Bongo's hat gets caught on a tree branch. And everybody is sad because they think Bongo's gone. And they and then he comes back up and, yay, it's good. And then he and Lulubel hit each other for a while yeah. until the end. Yeah, and, I mean, there's a cute ending where they're, like, they climb a tree and the other animals Oh, yeah, help. they had to help him because he still doesn't know how to be a bear. Yeah. He still hasn't eaten either, so. No, he has not eaten food at all, um, even though they explicitly said he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, like, climbs top of a tree, and he and Lulu, like, bend the trees, and they make a heart, and in the moon, and it's, it's a nice, cute ending. Yeah. It certainly, like, struck me how different this little love story is from, like, we or I noted, um, Johnny Fedora and Bonnie Blue Bonnet. Alice Blue Bonnet. Alice Blue Bonnet. Yeah. As, um, like, very Pixar-y. Mm-hmm. This one is certainly not very Pixar-y. You have, like, Bongo <laughs> the Bear, who's, like, a really, really great circus bear and just unhappy with his really great life. And so he, like, is escaping it, but he's still really, like, even though he sucks at being a bear, he's still pretty cool. And he doesn't, like, his... His trials are not nearly as dramatic as Johnny Fedora's. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting to just be like, oh, this is a very different sort of short mm-hmm. um, than we had before. Uh, or a different sort of love story yeah. than we had before. And then at the end, Jiminy, like, you know, he turns off the, the record player and the doll and the bear are smiling and they're, like, leaning mm-hmm. on each other. And then Jiminy's like, 
all right, see ya. Three is a crowd. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also, we forgot jo- Jiminy Cricket is such a little flirt when he meets the doll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, we cut. We kind of caught up on this a little bit um, in Pinocchio when he, like, flirts with the cuckoo clock girls. Um, like, not in a, like, a, hey, I'm hitting on you way, but, like, in this, like, polite, like, pardon me, miss kind of way. Yeah. And he does the same thing with the doll, which was really cute. You yeah, can it's call like, me... I'm Mr. Cricket, Jay Cricket, but you can call me Jiminy. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, so... <laughs> Um, I sent you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so let's get y'all. Let's, I alluded, real quick. I alluded real to quick. this earlier. So yesterday, out of nowhere, Chase just texted me a screenshot from archive of our own uh, the description for um a sl- like a slash fic between Jimmy it was Cricket. Not a slash fic. It, okay, it was a romantic story. Okay, G. Okay, it was a hidden G, but it was about Jiminy Cricket and Timothy Q Mouse declaring their love for each other. <laughs> and um, I saw that you sought this out. I did. I like when I sent you the screen cap, I almost cut the search notes, and then I was like, no, I want you to know that I explicitly was like, is there fan fiction for Jiminy Cricket and Timothy Mouse? Because I can see this relationship <laughs> happening. And there is exactly one on archive of our a couple, a couple of a couple of ex-cons who've kind of gotten their way into having children. That's a great relationship. <laughs> like I think that they would make a really great couple. So I read the thing. Is it good? It's okay. It's cute. Um, and like it feels very much like someone's trying to novelize a Disney short. Like they sing a song together, and it's okay. in a way of like. I could see this being, like, a cute short film. It doesn't work well novelized, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. But one of the things, like, Timothy... Basically, the drama is that Timothy realizes he has feelings for Jiminy Cricket, but can't tell Jiminy, because Jiminy is, like, a womanizer and certainly isn't into Timothy, and then they talk it out, and it's really cute. Okay. Um, but that's one of the things I was like, oh, yeah, Jiminy, like, is a big flirt. Um, I mean, like, I just spent I just spent a whole week, like, just going through the Mad Max Fury Road tag on AO3, so it's like... You know who who's got room to? I have no place to judge. I mean, there's a big difference between I like this movie. Let me find fic for this movie and the ship within this movie, and then thinking I bet Jiminy Cricket <laughs> and Timothy Mouse would make a great couple. <laughs> but they would. <laughs> I guess that's another bound to, bound to do then. I guess I just like they have like a great personality, and they'd be at least good friends, at least. Yeah. And raise their little children together, and Pinocchio and Dumbo. <laughs> And then, so we go back to Jiminy, and yeah. he comes across a letter on the envelope. He's like, "Well, that wouldn't be very crick- that wouldn't be cricket to look, you know." But is like, but of course, then he looks because you know because he's an ex-con, and that's what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he sees it's an invitation to a party, mm-hmm. so he goes to the party. <laughs> yep, and then it's the house across the way. Oh, it's convenient. So yep. he goes to the house across and the way. And cut to the um, live action part where this party is. It's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Who's hosting? No, and, she's the guest. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. She's the guest that's of this right. party that has been put on by this puppeteer. But, yeah, you got the ventriloquist Edgar Bergen, father of Candace, um, and two of his ventriloquists. And that's it. It's a man and his ventriloquist dummies and a little girl. <laughs> but it's the 40s, so that's not weird, I guess. I did enjoy their party hats. It made me, yeah. like... I always hated party hats when I was a kid, because they're, like, the dumb party city cheap ones, and I'm watching these characters with their party hats, and I'm like, 
oh, that's what like real party hats look like. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I liked those party hats. And so there's some banter um, with the adventure, like, and there's like, trying to remember what their names were. So Mortimer was like the dumb one. The other one's Charlie. Charlie. Because I wrote Charlie as a mood. <laughs> yeah, it's he's kind of, uh, <laughs> oh, geez, how to describe Charlie? Um, he's kind of a cynic. He's kind of a know-it-all. Yeah. He's kind of judgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, he's the... Um, he's the he's the snark one. Yeah, he's the snark. yeah. Which makes him fun. Um, made me think a lot about, like, puppeteering and its um, comedic value and, like, what you can do with it versus other forms of comedy. Yeah. And, like, with puppets, you can give them voices that are, like, the things the audience says. Um, and some comedians do this without puppets. I think Bo Burnham's one of the big ones where he, like, says a joke and then, like, adds the own audience commentary into the microphone in a different voice mm -hmm. and then continues with a different joke. Like, yeah, Jim Gaffigan does that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's fun to see it with, like, a puppet, where mm -hmm. the, like, quote, audience thinking, or the, like, yeah. the critic in the audience, what they would say, and you just kind of throw it right into your own set, yep. and it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like And Charlie. then it's like, okay, you guys want some more cake? <laughs> nah. Mortimer's like, oh, thank you, I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, okay, why don't I tell you a story and um, and that, then we go. and Charlie says, "I'm gonna go wind the sundial," <laughs> which I thought was a very funny way to get out of being at a party you didn't want to be at. Mm -hmm. um, then we go into Mickey and the Beanstalk, yes. which actually I watched. I've watched Mickey and the Beanstalk recently. It's um, it's like the headliner for one of the Disney Shorts collections on Netflix, mm. but it's different. It's different narrator and commentary. Makes in the sense. version I saw, it's Lu uh, it's Ludwig von Drake mm. um, and Herman. So this it's like it's from a TV special version of it in, in the from the fifties or sixties, I think. Nice. Um, well, that's one of the things like um, we haven't talked about this. Well, we've mentioned it. Like these are supposed to be features, um, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, these would make good TV spots, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, if yeah. you, instead of putting the other as a feature, you could have released them as TV spots. Yeah. Um, TV was different in the 40s, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so you've seen this recently. Is the, I'm curious, is, like, the animation, like, segment basically the same? Um, yeah, it's just the narration that's different. Mm. Um, actually, a lot of it, um, it's different voices, but a lot of the gags are the same. Interesting. Because Ludwig von Drake is telling the story to um, his little beetle friend, Herman, and Herman has a lot of the same kinds of things to say as Mortimer, and Ludwig von Drake kind of does the Bergen and the Charlie sort I of see. spots. Nice. Like, there are some slightly different things, but um, mm -hmm. it's it's pretty similar. Yeah, so um, Making the Beanstalk story opens with Happy Valley mm -hmm. and the Golden Harp mm -hmm. makes everything wonderful, and then she's taken, and everything's awful. Well, like the eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> I was like, it's good to know that almost 70 years later, we still remember that we all hated eighth grade. <laughs> oh, and then there's like the other comment of like, oh, did they build a school? Is that what made it awful? <laughs> yeah, huh. Maybe we should revise the education system if after 70 years, we all still hate school in junior high. There may be something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Um... But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we finally meet Mickey um, once everything's miserable. Yeah, and so it's Mickey and Donald and Goofy all living together, and there's three of them, and there is one bean to eat. One bean. And, like, one slice of bread. So they're, they're like, slicing the bread paper thin. It's transparent. And, um, you know, the narration's like, oh, look at Donald, like, this 
um, paragon of long suffering. <laughs> is he giving up? And then, of course, you know, after a couple minutes of that, Donald's like, shut up! Stop it! <laughs> In his Donald Duck voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I can't, I can't do it. No, so. I couldn't either. Um, so I asked you when we were watching this, like, oh, I wonder when this became a trio. And I think it was this movie because part of the idea behind doing uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk, I think it had been going to be called The the Legend of Happy Valley. Donald and Goofy in their individual shorts were getting more popular than Mickey and that kind of, Walt didn't like that a ton. And so um, somebody, some other people kind of came up with this pitch to kind of put Mickey back into the spotlight as the hero. And Walt loved it. And so they tried to develop into a feature that didn't work out. Well, the, like one of the first drafts of the script was basically finished December 8th, 1941. But that's when the government came in. Mm-hmm. So. so it was interesting then to see, like, watch this short with the idea like, oh, okay, so if we're putting Mickey in the spotlight mm-hmm. and this really don't like, oh, he's not the same mischievous Mickey that we've picked up on in earlier shorts where he's like a little bit silly um, and kind of a mm-hmm. troublemaker. This Mickey's very much a leader and um, yeah, I think it would have been funny, uh, more funny to watch him buy the beans. We kind of get like, Mickey went off to sell yeah. the cow. Yeah. Um, and he comes back with beans. Like, oh, I would have loved to see well, Mickey it, be swindled into buying beans. The plan was to have him being swindled into buying beans from our friends Honest John and Gideon um, from Pinocchio. Which, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. But uh, it didn't happen. We just get Mickey goes to sell the cow, and he comes back with beans, and Donald and Goofy are very upset with him. <laughs> Especially Donald. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no surprise. All right, let's throw these beans away and just be mad and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, they plant they planted them in a hole in the ground on accident in the light of the full moon. And so there's a fun sequence of beans stop growing around them mm-hmm. while they're sleeping and kind of taking the house apart a little bit and... Like, Donald, like, Goofy ends up sleeping across, like, the barrel falls apart, but it's just, he's, like, hung, hung, hanging on by his head and his feet in the in the rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some cute uh, gags as the moon, gr- or the, wow, the beanstalk grew to the moon. Mm-hmm. And then they all wake up in the giant's land, mm-hmm. in the sky. And so they're exploring, they um, they get into a leaf and start rowing across the moat. Mm-hmm. Donald yells at some dragonflies that are enormous, mm-hmm. huge, huge dragonflies. Yeah, kind of like makes fighter pilot sounds at them, which of course makes the, f- the dragonflies come attack them. Yeah, and so then their boat fills with water, and so Donald and Mickey are trying to bail out the boat, and Goofy is bailing into the boat. It's just <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's very, very good. I, then they reach shore... Climb up the stairs into the castle, and there's food. There's so, so much, much food. food. There's, um, they're just, like, eating, like, eating chunks out of solid bricks of cheese. There's, um, jello. I'm trying to remember the other... Oh, Goofy tries to, like, lift, like, use, a, like, a, one, a giant butter knife kind of as a platform to get peas into his mouth, mm-hmm. but the peas are bigger than his head, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Goofy ended up getting anything to eat. The peas didn't fit in his mouth, they just banged into his head, and then he got stuck on a thing of jello. Mm-hmm. Um, so, poor we're Goofy. So, we're, assuming, we're assuming that they ate at some point. Yes, yes, but um, we watched Donald and Mickey dive into food, and then poor Goofy, like, yeah. had his own little gags and didn't actually eat. <laughs> um... But yeah, so they get their food, and then the giant arrives. I love Willy. And he's got the fee fi fo fum fee fi fo fum Got a little song. And then he's like, I... S-, and then it, they, they do a really great twist on the classic fee fi fo I smell... I smell... 
And then he goes looking around the table and you're like, oh no, they're gonna find him. And then he starts like lifting, he lifts a thing off the pile. Pot roast! And he's like, yeah. he just smells the food. And this sounds like, in the way that he puts him, like, that sounds silly and bad. Um, it's like chocolate pot roast with pistachio. You know, he's, he struggles to say pistachio. He's like, with green gravy. My my dad will, will make fun of that sometimes. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? There's probably a way to make a cake like that. Mm. A chocolate cake with like um, with like a pistachio drizzle or something. Mm, I can see that. Pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, so he is eating and then he finds Mickey. Oh, it's fun because the way that he like kind of, when they try to hide initially, he's like, he takes a he takes a leg off the turkey and mm. you can see Goofy hiding in the rib cage. Yeah. And um, he like has, a, he's taking forkfuls of dumplings and then there's one left and you can see Donald Tan reaching out to make sure that his butt didn't get stabbed because yeah. <laughs> it curled up into a little dumpling shape. Yeah. Um, then Minky gets caught and he tries to trick the giant into mm-hmm. turning into a fly that yep. they could swat. He, he tries to buy time by doing like fake palm reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is the mischievous Mickey that I know and love." Mm-hmm. Um, but then the giant locks them in a box, and he takes out the harp to sing to him, and sings maybe one of my favorite Disney songs so far in my favorite dream. Um, and she kind of helps Mickey to get the key out of the lock. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is the golden harp is singing the song to put the giant to sleep, while Mickey, who very narrowly escaped the box, um, is trying to rescue Donald and Goofy mm-hmm. and gets the key from the giant. I enjoyed, like, the little adventure with him on the thread, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really cute and clever. Yeah. Um, he uses, like, the thread to rappel down to the giant and ties it off on a needle. and Yeah, I thought that was fun. Um, I liked it. Then they get away. Mm-hmm. Um, the giant's, of course, coming after them. They go down the beanstalk. They cut it down, and that's kind of the, the end. And, like, and then they're like, well, they all lived happily. We come back to the live. They all lived happily ever after. Oh, there's actually one point mm. where they cut back to the live action earlier. Like, and they're talking about, like, the giant. And, like, he starts describing the giant. And we see Jiminy, like, it, like he's the only animated thing in this live action bit. Oh, and yeah. and then he starts talking about the giant. And Jiminy's like, this calls for a drink. And so <laughs> he starts drinking out of this real cup. And you see the liquid, you know, he drinks, he drinks the whole drink in one go. Yeah, and that was very. That was a very good effect. It was cute. Yeah, there was um, lots of fun, like Jiminy interacting with the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened a couple times, and it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um. Um. And then at the end, Mortimer, the puppet, is sad because Willie died. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to like tell him he's like Willie wasn't real, dude. Don't need to be sad. Um, and starts using like words that are too big for him to really understand. Mm-hmm. But then the roof opens and there's Willie saying, "Have you guys seen a mouse?" Mm-hmm. And so you know, uh, Edgar Bergen passes out, and then Mortimer's like, "Nope, haven't seen him. Be careful, Willie. Um, don't don't slam don't slam the roof." <laughs> and um, it ends with Willie kind of walking away from the house into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He kind of like peeks under buildings. You see him walking by the Trocadero and Grauman's Chinese Theater. You can see the Hollywood sign blinking in the background. And then one of my favorite gags, I love this so much. He He's kind of peeking. He, like he's looking for Mickey. Like he picks up the Brown Derby, which is a, um, it's a, it was a restaurant shaped like a big old hat. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lifts up the Brown Derby to look underneath it. And then... He puts it on. He puts the brown derby on. And I'm so mad that I can never go to the brown derby because they mm, tore it down. Yeah. Anyway, um, there, are other, <laughs> there are other, you know, Hollywood spots that are still there and I can go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Was... I want to go to the apple pan now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a cute um, ending. And that's it. That's the end of the 
yeah. film. What'd you think? I certainly liked the Mickey short better mm-hmm. than the Bongo short. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have liked Bongo at all if it hadn't been for the nostalgia factor for mm, me. Um, I loved the Jiminy Cricket frame, yeah. which was much nicer because we just finished Make My Music, which has no frame. It's just a collection of shorts. Mm-hmm. I appreciated like Jiminy Cricket telling us a story. It was mm-hmm. nice. And I, I liked Jiminy Cricket. It was kind of fun. It's like, oh, hey, Jiminy's back. Because <laughs> we like thoroughly enjoyed him in a way I never did as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of cool to have him come back this way. And I, I did like... I like fairy tale retellings a lot, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so I really enjoyed Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah, it's one of it's one of my favorites. Like that's that's the shorts collection I'll I'll, I'll watch most often. Mm. And it has other good ones. I think it has the Brave Little Tailor, which is another good one. I need to uh, watch that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on it's on Netflix. They have okay. they have four or five volumes of shorts collections. Okay. On there, and they're all they're all good. I have the one with Anna and Elsa on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, like these ones are just all on Netflix, and so just as shorts or as like, collections. Like, um, they're kind of like TV shows. So it's like it's oh, like as a TV show. Like, there's the first option is to watch them all back to back, and then there every episode after that is just watching each individual one. Oh, so I usually okay. just skip episode one and just go to two because why would I want to start it all over right now? <laughs> Did we did we talk about which ones were our favorite and make my music? I think we did. I don't even remember. It's been so long. <laughs> it was so late. I know. Um, mine was the whale who wanted to sing at the. I minute. was just gonna say it wasn't yours the whale, and I yeah. think mine was Johnny Fedora as Hutterose as it is. Yeah. Um, which I think like that's funny that I like Johnny Fedora despite mm-hmm. it being ridiculously hetero, and then I don't like Bongo largely because it is ridiculously hetero. It, it's it, it's the it's the um, it's it's the bisexual curse. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it does not. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes not so much. Um, also, I liked the music a lot for Johnny Fedora. Yeah. It was a really nice song. And whereas... it's, the, it's the Andrews Sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really didn't put a lot of notes down for Fun and Fancy Free, mm-hmm. um, but I enjoyed it, certainly. Me too. Yeah, um, yeah I, I really, really enjoy doing this one. Um, it, and let's see, we've got we've got one more double feature coming up, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, Ichabod, Adventures of Ichabod, um, Adventures of Sir Ichabod. I think it's and... I think it's Ichabod and uh, Mr. Toad. Oh, it... the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. It's the Adventures, isn't it? Or yeah. is it just Ichabod and Mr. Toad? I think it's. I don't know. Let's get the spreadsheet yeah. up. <laughs> we usually pull the spreadsheet up before we sit down to record, um, and we just didn't today. Um, the other thing we're watching though is. Melody Time, which I have seen a lot. So we'll start with Melody Time, okay. certainly. Yeah. Um, and I, I have not seen Melody Time, um, and I don't know if... I, I don't know if I've seen Ichabod and Mr. Toad like as one set. I know I've seen the Sleepy Hollow short, and, I, um, and whatever sh- collection of shorts I used to watch, another one that we rented when I, a lot when I was a kid, had um, The Wind and the Willows on it. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm very familiar with that one, and my family gets mad at me every time we go to Disneyland, and I just want to ride Mr. Toad. <laughs> See, I've never seen the Adventure Bo- Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, is officially what it's called, um, but I have read Wind in the Willows. Um, it is one of my, my great-grandmother's favorite books, um, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the book, so I'm excited to watch the film. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've never read... S- no, I've read Sleepy Hollow. Um, it's a good Halloween thing for the kids. Yeah. Um, but Melody Time will be the one we watch first. And I used to watch this. The only reason I've seen it was because my music teacher in elementary school, whenever we had a sub, would just have us watch Melody Time. 
But that was every single time we had a sub. Mm. And I had this music teacher for like three or four years. So I've seen Melody Time many times. See, that's... I, that's the kind, like, it's a good thing that the, the, the teachers I had sub for leave better plans than that. But sometimes... what One of these days, I just want to like have like... Can I just... <laughs> right. I mean, but, you know. The, so I like... I don't mind like... As a sub, showing them a movie, the only thing I don't like is I teach high school, and so I have to watch the same 40 minutes of oh, a film yeah, yeah, five yeah. times. I've seen Mulan in Spanish, just the first 40 minutes of it, so many times. Because <laughs> it's on Netflix, so it's really easy for yeah. the... Or it was at the time when I was teaching, this was a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, yeah, that was an adventure. Um, but anyway, so next week we'll start with Melody Time, which is another collection of shorts. Um, and Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which I think is also a couple different short adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll be the end of our World War II era. So. Yep. After that, we'll get into stuff that you are more, more likely to have heard of. The Silver Age. Yes. Um, yeah, so thanks for sticking with us through the World War II era so yeah. far. Um, we're nearly out of the woods. Um, and then we'll get into some more classics that you're probably familiar with. Yeah. Um, and so if you want to find us on social media, we are... On Twitter and Instagram at DrawnOutCast. Um, and you can find me at Chase or Tiff. Me at Brooke Amimi. And um, we're on iTunes now. Yes. Uh, please rate, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate and review us mm-hmm. there. And um, we're not at the time of this recording, but we'll be on Spotify by the time of this episode. Awesome. Um, yeah, because you need five to be on Spotify. So we'll be on Spotify soon. Something else is going to add. Oh, you can email us. Uh, yeah. DrawnOutCast at gmail.com. Um, I don't know why, but you could. If you have opinions, you know. Tell yeah. us them. <laughs> Tell us your opinions. If you want to recommend us shorts, you could tweet at us. Yeah, we could definitely um, use recommendations for some shorts. Because um, now that we we'll, like double features next week, but then we're out of the double feature woods, and um, so we'll be watching shorts again. And then it's going to be a long time before we go- get to the point where Disney is pairing shorts with every feature again. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at our spreadsheet, and we got lots and lots of blanks on the shorts. So it's not even really until like uh, the Pixar films yeah. that we have intentionally paired. A couple exceptions, but um, yeah, it won't be really until Pixar in the 90s that we have intentionally paired films with shorts. So. Yeah, so if you have recommendations, something that's not already paired with a Pixar or recent Disney film, um, and we haven't talked about it yet, let us, let us know about it, and we might, and we might pick it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So, And w- with that, thank you for sitting down and, listen- and listening to us today. Um, man, this... We need to come up with a better thing. And I was going to say, this is kind of a dra- this is kind of a drawn out closing, right? This has been a drawn out closing. We have it. We finally have it. This has been a drawn out closing. This has been a drawn out closing. See you next time. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time for Adventures, uh, Igbad and Mr. Toad, and Melody Time. Bye. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiaries. The views expressed in this podcast by its hosts and its guests belong solely to those people and are not in any way representative of Disney nor any of our employers. Thanks for listening.